This is Rob Tabbitt for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. Always a pleasure to be joined by Olympic bronze medalist Anthony Agogo, turned professional wrestler, might I add, Anthony Agogo. How are you, sir? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you, pal? You good? I'm very well. I'm very well. Every time I see you, you start to look a little bit bulkier and a little bit scarier, Ant. <laughs> um, but that's the whole thing, yeah. I mean, and the belly's getting a bit bigger as well, so. I jumped on a scale the other day, so, lots of, um, I jumped on a scale the other day, and I was almost 17 stone. Almost 17, and I was like, and I'm, I'm, I'm bulking at the minute, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting fat intentionally at the minute, so I can start cutting over Christmas, and then I'll hopefully by like springtime, when I make my, my debut in, in wrestling, hopefully I should be more cut, but 17 stone. And I'm, I said, we, we put this interview back 10 minutes, I said to you, I need to, I need to walk some food down. I just ate the biggest plate of brown rice and steak and vegetables, so I feel like a bloody snowman right now. But um, yeah, it means it means the hard work is paying off. So thank you for that, Rob. Well, you're very welcome. You're very welcome, and I bet it beats the days where you were struggling to make one sixty. It does, do you know. It really does. And I look back now, and I look back. <laughs> it's funny because I look back on pictures and videos of me like when I was boxing. But the funny thing is, like in my head, like hand on my heart, in my head back then, I thought I was massive. I thought I was jacked. I thought I was a monster. And I, <laughs> I genuinely did. I genuinely did. And I looked at me, and so did my wife. And I'm like, babe, why didn't you tell me I was so skinny? She said, I thought you were like really handsome and, and muscly. I said, so did I. I looked at the pictures now, and I'm, and I'm, in, I'm embarrassed how skinny I was. Nobody told me. So, you know. Uh, before we move on and talk some boxing, and just let, give us a little bit of an insight into into your training and how you're developing in your new career. You mentioned about potentially having your debut next year. Just talk to us a little bit about. It. I know the last time I spoke to you was slightly earlier on in your in your development, and yeah, um, yeah the, we talked about the different training. How are you getting on? Yeah, uh, no, no, well, thank you, mate. Um, going really well. Obviously, COVID has you know scuppered all plans. Like this year is meant to be my big like, breakout year, and I was going to debut this year and hopefully go on. From, from strength to strength, COVID's obviously like paused the whole world, uh, which has been really frustrating. But on the grand scheme of things, um, like having to delay a debut six months and people are like like losing their lives, losing their businesses and stuff is a very, very, very trivial thing. So, um, so it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But it's going really well. Training really hard. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just training hard and, and learning wrestling. I've obviously. I've put on and put in size on. I'm, I'm trying all clean before you monsters start waiting. You know, he's a drugs cheat. Uh, no, training really hard, working hard, um, busting my ass in the gym. I'm wrestling every day now, so uh, and that and that hurts. That's uh, that's um, it hurts. I don't know other way to say it. everything. Like everything about wrestling hurts. And that's one of the main differences in boxing and wrestling. Like people think wrestling, that's not real. Bloody hell. You get thrown off the top turnbuckle on the floor. You have a giant 260-pound man jump on you and splash you. I mean, you, you, you can't fake that. There's nothing, there's nothing not real about that. And the thing like with boxing, like you go into boxing knowing that this is going to hurt. Jabs hurt, backhands hurt, hooks hurt, body shots hurt, sparring hurts, you know, doing all that whilst you're making a weight and then dieting, that hurts. Um, 
But when I went into wrestling, I thought, oh, Fox, you know, 18 years now, I can have fun and relax. It's all fun and games and interviews and this and that and gesturing and all the facade of it all. Day one training session, whack, whack, whack. Ouch. Getting chopped. Like, there's a guy who I train with, and uh, he's huge. His hands are like spades. And you might see in the wrestling, like, chops, big, like, chop to the chest. Deary me. Like, I, I used to, so when I first started doing it, um, when I do it, I kind of kick when I get chopped. I kick my legs up in the air to make it look like it hurts more. And then this one guy that I, that, that I work with, like, when he hits me, I barely sell it. We call it, in wrestling, when you get a move down to you, you sell. Like, you make it look more than it was. With him, I don't sell. Because it hurts so much, every ounce of me is thinking, oh, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. So, the difference is, boxing, you know it's going to hurt. So, you, you, know, you know that. Wrestling, you don't think it's going to hurt. And everything hurts. So, yeah, I pick, generally picked the two toughest businesses to go into, and I, I don't know why. <laughs> so like out of the frying pan and into the fire? 100%. 100%. Well, not that we don't like listening to stories of you getting beaten up and slapped and splashed and chopped and what have you. Um, obviously, the reason we're doing this interview, this past weekend, very high-profile fight, Daniel Dubois versus Joe Joyce. Daniel Dubois took a knee in the 10th round, ultimately lost by knockout to Joe Joyce. And I know that... You know, people who will be watching this interview will know the reason why we're doing this. You were forced to retire early due to an eye injury. Just run us through, first and foremost, your impression of the fight this past weekend. Um, I think it went exactly as I thought it was going to go. I think I did one or two predictions of how I thought the fight was going to go. And it went exactly how I thought it was going to go. Uh, Joe Joyce was too big, too strong, and too much of a big, strong man for Daniel Dubois. And... So it's obvious to see, you watch like the first 30 seconds, that Dubois is more talented, he's more skillful, he's got a massive upside, therefore he's going to, you know, like, if you could pick his style to be, you're probably going to pick, you could pick Joe Joyce at 34, 35 years old, or Daniel Dubois at 23 years old, this stage in their career, then you're going to be Daniel Dubois because he's got 12 years under him, he's got loads of bads of potential, he'll come back, hopefully, fingers crossed, will come back and do amazing things with boxing, and British boxing. Um, but I've, I've known Joe for 10 years since the Great Britain squad. And I like Joe. He's a lovely lad. Mm. And he can really fight. But you sit and watch him. <laughs> you sit and watch him on the pads, on the bag. And any boxer, any boxer watching this will know exactly what I mean when I say this. I, don't, I mean no disrespect to Joe. He's a mate of mine. And he's hopefully one day become world heavyweight champion. But you look at him on the pads. And if like any boxer watching, as I said, will know. Like, before you fight somebody, like, you know, as, a, as an amateur, you know, as a youngster, you'd all, like, warm up together, on the pads together. And if they look good in the pads, you go, oh, he's good, you know. You see, some people look rubbish on the pads. You go, oh, I'm, I'm going to smash him. Well, Joe looks rubbish on the pads. He doesn't look good. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to smash him. But when a bell goes, he's so big, he's so fit, he's so strong, he keeps coming, his head is like punching the bloody a, a piece of granite. He doesn't get hurt. He's just, he's just good. He wins fights. And I knew that, I, I personally thought the Bois was be a bit too young. 23 years old as a heavyweight, he's an absolute baby. So I thought it'd be a bit too young, a bit too naive, a bit too inexperienced to just to outwork Joe and out-hustle him. He didn't, I don't think he knew enough either. Like, I think Joe, no, he, 
you know, you've got to be the best of the best to beat Joe. The only guys that would give Joe problems are Tyson Fury and Joshua with his speed and power. But someone like a Fury, I think, would beat Joe right now. Um, if you're below that upper, upper echelon, he's probably going to beat you and, and guard you now. And that's exactly what he did. And he boxed to his strengths, his limited ability in terms of it doesn't do that much different to what he does in round one to round ten. He boxed fantastically and had, had to talk to the boy. Done really, really well. The end of the fight. Now, the end of the fight has caused much controversy or much debate, discussion, should we say. The Q word been thrown around. Um, quit. Daniel Dubois quit. Now, given your experiences with eye injuries, given your experiences of you know, going through trauma throughout your professional career and ultimately having to cut your career short, just explain to us what it feels like to have that word levied at you. Yeah, so, so I had young. So I did a tweet to, I mean, I don't know Daniel Dubois. I don't know him at all. I wanted Joe to win the fight. Uh, so I wanted, and I, I, I watched it as a fan. I didn't really care who he fought, to be honest with you. But I know Joe, known him for 10 years. Um, he's older than, than Dubois. Has let, if, he, if he'd lost that fight, but where does he go? With Dubois, 23 years old, he could lose that fight and come back. You know, So I was actually rooting for Joe a little bit. I don't know Daniel Dubois. Never met him, never spoken to him. I just saw he was getting a stick on, on Twitter. Uh, and my old coach, Barry O'Connell, actually texted me saying, oh, this Dubois getting a bit of stick. You might want to like, you know, have a word. And I thought, I don't know him. I can't get hold of him. I don't know any mutual friends. I've been out of the game for a few years now. And I've actually intentionally kind of, you know, kind of like kept some distance between me and boxing because it still hurts me to watch boxing. It still breaks my heart to watch boxing because I want to be fighting Canelo for the world title, not Callum Smith, you know. So I just I deal with it by not watching as much as I, as I would like to. Anyway, I tweeted Daniel just saying, look, mate, I mean, I've, I, I lost my career through an injury. Something sounds quite similar. I'm an early diagnosis. I had nine operations in three years. And my career got ripped away from me. And I'd be gutted to see his career go the same way as mine, just because he's a young man and he's worked very hard. So if there's any advice I can give him or doctors to see or not who not to see, because there was nobody who paved the way for me. I had to do it all myself. I saw so many doctors all around the world, from India to America to Britain to Germany. I went everywhere to see specialists to keep my career alive. And if I could help some him kind of reduce the legwork for him, then I would. So I think that's the right thing to do. So, um, so I remember I've never watched my fight back because it was the worst night of my life. I don't want to watch it back. And, and I, I boxed somebody who was a decent boxer with 22% vision. And I was getting, like, I didn't, it sounds really silly, but. The only way I can describe it is that I didn't know I was getting hit until I was being hit. I couldn't see where he was. I was judging, and he was a southpaw, Craig Cunningham. I was using my left my left leg as like a blind man stick. And I was kind of like waving in front of me. And if I felt something, I'd just punch. If I felt his lead leg, I'd just punch. I had no clue where he was. I was trying to, I was trying to box. I was trying to, I was punching off his breathing. Like if I heard him breathe... I thought he must be in, in range. I'm just going to punch. A complete hit and hope job. Um, so, yeah, it was horrible. But I never watched my fight back. But somebody said to me that Matthew Macklin questioned my heart or said that I quit or something. And I thought, what if I never stopped? I've seen Matthew once. I didn't bring up with him because it wasn't the right time. And I mean, what's, what's the point? I, I'm not going to get anything from it. I don't care what he says about me. But it upset me that someone like him doesn't know me doesn't know the path I've journeyed, know, know, the, the shoes that I've walked in, can 
say I've quit, I quit. When my eye was fucked before that fight, my eye got massively exacerbated in round one. And I carried on fighting for eight rounds, as I told you earlier, not knowing where he was. And I didn't know I was getting hit until I was hit. I'd be boxing around, yeah. And there's two things in the fight I remember. Um, my left arm was so stent because my, my left eye was damaged. My left arm is rock solid to my face because I was getting hit and hit and hit. And I was just protecting me from shots I didn't see coming. And then two things I remember. One minute, I was short, I heard him breathing there. And I thought, he's right in front of me. I'm going to throw the biggest white hook in my life and I'm going to take his head off. I threw it. I missed by a country mile, almost on a full pirouette. And a second time in the fight, and um, I've seen this clip back on a, on a video that someone done and showed it to me. I don't know why. But um, I said the same thing. Left hand is really tight. And my left arm is full of lactic acid because I was, it was so tense. So I backed away and backed away. So I thought I was six feet away. And I shook, shook my arms out, straight out. And then reality, in reality, it was right in front of me. You know, bang, back out, straight down the pipe. And he smashed me in the face. And I thought, fucking hell. Like, in my head, I thought he was way far away. So that kind of emphasizes the fact that I was getting hit and I didn't know I was getting hit. Um, yeah, so that's rubbish. But so the fact that somebody can say that, like, question my heart when I went through so much. And I, every time, every round in the corner, I was begging my coach, don't throw the towel in. Don't, and I was pretending that I was having a bad day. I was pretending that I didn't feel very well. So I didn't want to tell him my eye was fucked. Because if I told him my eye was fucked, he was going to towel me. And I didn't want him to towel me. I wanted to win the fight because I was in a fight. So that, yeah... You know, it breaks your heart when these experts tell you that, you know, you haven't got the heart or you quit. And I don't know the Dubois situation. I don't know what he's like as a person. I don't know his character. So I wouldn't I wouldn't question, like, what he was going through. But all I can talk is, like, a personal thing. When people at Matthew Macklin question my heart, I'm like, mate, I've got more heart than you. Just because I never got the opportunity to fight for the world title, um, don't question my heart, you know. That really wound me up. And I've held on to that for a long time. And it came out yesterday because someone asked me the question. And um, I saw he did the same thing with, with, um, with Dubois on, on Saturday night. Now, being accused of being a quitter or having that kind of thrown at you, probably, I'm not a fighter, I've never fought, but I would assume it's probably one of the worst things that can be levelled at you, if not, the, you know, other than maybe a cheat, a quitter or a cheat, probably the two worst things that can be um, thrown your way. What does boxing need to do to, to address that? Because we're, we're seeing fighters that are getting hurt in the ring. For somebody like yourself being left with long-term damage, we've seen fighters die. Do we need to look at that as a sport? I mean, it's a very macho sport, boxing. But uh, way to look Listen, it, you know, boxing attracts a certain a person cut from a certain kind of cloth. And it attracts people like us that want to fight. And, uh, and someone, you know, I'm, I'm going to answer that question in a minute. Actually, I'll answer the question now. I'll come back to that later. What we what what it needs is for people like ex pros, people that have been there and done it, not to fucking throw people under the bus and call people a, quit, a quitter. Not until you know the full situation. I've had a fractured socket. My socket was obliterated, eight fractures, bits of floating bone. My head on fighting, nerve damage in my eye. My eye was pointing in the wrong direction, and I don't see out of it barely at all anymore. Um, and, and for someone, I'm using Macklin as an example because he's, he's topical and he did it with me. Question my heart. I was like, mate, you have no idea. If I had no, if you question my heart, I'd have put out. I wouldn't even thought. Put out in round one. Maybe had I done that, maybe I'd had a career still to have now. And the thing, so I don't know. I mean, you, you, boxing's always going to attract a certain type of person because we 
we live for that. You know, we are, you know, to get through the ropes, you know, it shows so much bollocks and, and courage and heart anyway. And also, on this situation, like, it's easy to comment, easy to be the armchair fan and sit back with your stellar in your hands and say, oh, we should have done that. It's like, mate, when did you last box live on BT Sport on a, on a Saturday night? When did you last have an 18 and a half stone man, Joe Joyce, punching you in the head at will? Mate, like, and those people that can comment, like, yeah, let's stick them in the ring and let Joe Joyce fucking pound their faces in and see what they would have done, you know? So, um, and I'm not, I'm not defending Daniel Dubois. I don't know the guy, you know, I don't know him at all. It's just, it frustrates me. People, so I've been on the other end and I've had people like Matthew Macklin or I've had, I've had pros or promoters or even just fans or comment on, on what I should have done or, or my, as it pisses you off, you don't know the situation. I wouldn't comment on an old girl over the world who's fighting cancer because I've never been in her shoes. I've never, I've never done that. So why do people have the right to comment in, on Daniel Dubois and where you, what he should have done or, you know, since come out from the fight, he's got a fractured eye socket. There's some nerve damage. Obviously, I'm not you. You're much more well versed to discuss that than I am. But given those, the extent of those injuries, the correct decision to take a knee and sit out the ten count. Oh, I, I use this. I, I did an interview with Talk Sport earlier, and this is the uh, the example I used. Like, let's say he quit, right? Let's say he took a knee and he let the referee count him out, and he, you know. If he did that, then fine, whatever. Like, you know, I, I, he did that. That's a decision he's got to make and he's got to live with. But now let's say this. Let's say he'd have got and carried on boxing. And the very next round, Joe Joyce, a big open hand wide, boom, smashed him. And his eye capitulated, like-minded. Or worse still, takes a big shot, gets a brain aneurysm, can never box again. And he's in a wheelchair like, like Michael Watson or Joe McClellan. And he's in a bad way, 23 years old, still a baby in terms of life. He's now got to spend the rest of his life in a wheelchair. He dribbles or he can't talk. Someone's got to talk for him. Like, that's what can happen to boxing. It's not football where you've got a dodgy eye, you're a goalkeeper. Oops, I've conceded a goal. Mm, I still get 200 grand a week. It's not like that. It's boxing. Your life is on the line. Now, let's say, now I don't know if this is going through his head. I, I don't know. That's why we're commenting on it right now. But let's say he took a knee. And hopefully, fingers crossed, I don't want to see somebody lose their career like I did. Fingers crossed, it's, it's, the, the operation is easy fix and the nerve repairs and he, he, he can box again next September. He still is only 23. He's got 15, 18, 20 years of boxing left in him if he wants to have it. And let's say he took the knee, lost the fight, he comes back, and in three years' time, when Furies, Joshua's, Joe Joyce all retire, he's the number one heavyweight in the world. Heavyweight champion earns a hundred million pounds. Like taking that knee would quickly become the best decision he's ever had made in his entire life. Versus carrying on boxing, next punch does his eye like me, never fights again, and now he's got to go out and get a job. Like I have to go out and get a job, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. People just, yeah. I mean, I think I answered your question. I think. No, you did. You did answer my question. Um, the next one is is kind of how does it feel, really? How is Daniel Dubois going to be feeling now? Obviously, you don't know him personally, but you've been in a similar situation where you had a, an eye injury and obviously it's, it's brought an end to the fight. How do you think he'll be feeling today? Uh, like, I felt like my whole... I, it's a weird one. It's a myriad of emotions because I, mean, I don't know him and this is going to be... This is, 
this is a question that is unique to the individual you're asking it to. I'm very unique in the way I was thinking. But I always thought I was going to box again, even after my... So I had seven operations on my eye. I retired. I had two more. When the pressure was off and people went to ask me, are you boxing? Are you going to box again? I, had, I, went, I rolled the dice two more times. Had two more surgeries in the hope that they would work and I was going to make this miraculous return to boxing. And they didn't. So after my seventh or ninth... After my seventh surgery... The last two, they were just, I was just rolling the dice because I had a little bit of money left and I did. So I wanted to box again. And then after my knife, I had no more and I couldn't. But um, up until my seventh surgery, I generally thought I was going to box again. 100% thought I was going to box again. Like even when my eyes were pointing in different directions and I had 22% vision in my left eye and I got told I, like uh, my vision was bad. That it's, it's, this, this, is, this is registered blind vision in the left eye. I always thought I was going to box again. I generally did. And I worked towards that. I kept throwing money at different surgeries in America and here and there and traveling the world to see different consultants. So, so when I retired, people said to me, you must feel like some sense of relief now that it's just over. And I was like, nah. I, was like, I, I feel as bad now when I retired, as I remember speaking to you, as I did the day after it happened. Because I always thought I was going to box again. I was going to avenge that loss and then go on and become world champion I never did so I don't know what his psyche is like I don't know how mentally strong he is uh, extremely deflated but all his efforts and energy now should be go on, on on getting his eye fixed once the eye's fixed get back fingers crossed the eye will get fixed then crack on and have the career that you want to have and if that was me if I was Daniel Dubois I'd I'd take heed of advice from people like myself people that have walked that road before um and I would use the, the stick, I'd, I'd screenshot every negative tweet that I've been, I'd have been sent or tagged in, and I'd use that as energy. So in three years down the line, when he doesn't want to get up and train, he looks back, in, he looks back on this boxer saying, he's got no arsehole. Now that would get me out of bed and get me training harder. That's what I would do personally. But um, as I said, I don't know if he is. But regarding the injury, I mean, I know he said a fractured orbit, um, and the nerve damage. Like a fractured orbit is quite simple to fix. That's not that big of a deal. They happen every day all around the world and different sports people. Though, so had my had my injury just been a fractured eye socket, I'd have got back boxing three months later. That's not that big of a deal. Um, the nerve damage is more concerning because eye damage. So the eye socket, the orbit, protects the eyeball. That's its main function. Protects the eyeball and all the soft tissues around it, the nerves and muscles that move the eye, and, and mine was shattered. So when I was getting hit in the eye, the eyeball, the eye socket wasn't protecting it anymore because it was damaged itself. So the eye was getting damaged, and the nerve was getting damaged, and the muscles were getting damaged. So I had, so fixing the eye socket was, was the easiest bit of my, well, my recovery, but aligning, aligning the eyes and, and, and trying to make them work together as a, as a pair in tandem was the much trickier thing. And then I had a particular, had a, had a, had a Botox procedure in my eyeball, which they injected. One of my muscles was, one muscle wasn't working properly. So my left eye was twisted in. And you might have stopped, I've done interviews in the past where I've said that I was fighting Craig Cunningham and I saw two of him. And one was like, my white eye gave me Craig Cunningham, my white eye saw, was down in the floor, like he was in the canvas, which is really weird. And the left left one was pointing in a different direction. She was up in the air, 
and he was twisted. So my left thigh was twisted in 30 degrees. Um, and I was getting, I was fighting two different people, one up there, one up here. But the difficulty thing, difficult thing was I had torsion, which means your eye is twisted in. And I'm getting hit by a man who's basically lying down in the air. Like, that's weird. Also hit by the same man in the, that's the whole, most, I couldn't, uh, it left you. So but my, it's, it's a common thing in car crashes. Like if someone had a car crash, smashed their face on a, on a, on a window or something, and then their eye socket, eye socket shatters. And because of the force, the eye then changes, moves position and points in a different direction. That's how you main, the problem I had, that's how you get them. And I was really unlucky that I suffered a fractured eye socket. I'm, like, I not, I didn't know I had fractured eye socket. I had no idea. Normally, like you saw with Joe, it swells up really bad, or with Daniel. Mine didn't swell up at all. I didn't even get a black eye. I must have had a really slow fracture over many, many, many years. And one day, one jab just set it off. And then it's kind of, and then I boxed three weeks later because I was told the to box because I was told it wasn't going to get any worse. And then the whole thing's unraveled. Um, but the point I'm making is if the nerve damage is really bad, he'll struggle to box again because the nerve supplies the eye. Um, and nerves don't heal, like muscles heal. The Botox I had should have went into the muscle. It would have weakened the muscle for 12 weeks. We were going to judge off the effect on the Botox. Do we then operate on that muscle to weaken it surgically? But the Botox didn't go into the muscle, went into the nerve and has caused uh, permanent paralysis in my the nerve in my left eye. And that can never get better. And that was the main reason why I never got back and I had well I had six surgeries after that seven surgeries after that to try to get them good and damage was so bad in the nerve I never got back so it depends the, the nerve damage how bad it is fingers crossed if it's a slight bruise like hopefully it'll kind of get better or his brain can adapt because your brain can adapt your eyes a little bit um hopefully it won't be too big of a deal but I guess that's something he's got to find out um as when he when his eye when the swelling goes down and he sees all the ophthalmologists, uh, he'll, he'll figure out what he can do. Okay, Anthony. Well, the final question I've got, and this is going to be quite a vague, generic question, and potentially slightly stupid as well, but I'd like you to do your best to answer it because you are in a unique position in this situation. How scary is it when something like this is happening to you while you're in the ring? And how scary is it when you're going through all of these rehabilitations, when you, you're, you're wrestling with the, these thoughts that you may forget, may never box again, that you, you could be blind in one eye, you could have damaged eyesight for, for the rest of your life. How scary are those two situations? Really scary, mate. That's not a silly question. That's actually a really good question. Really scary. I, and, and, and what I've said in the past, and what I'll say now is I love boxing. Like I love boxing. I was, I was as a kid, I was bad at so many things. But the one thing I was good at was sport. I was always good at sport. And I played football to a high level. And I was at Norwich Academy. And I was captain of my county. And I swam to a national level. And I could have went in different different avenues because, as I said, I'm rubbish loads of things. I've always been very good at sport. Now I started boxing at 12. And the second I walked in the boxing gym, I I, I basically gave up football even though I was at an academy, Premier League Academy Club, because boxing gave me something the other sports didn't give me. And I loved boxing. I loved it. And I could have fought anybody, any time, any place, any money. I just loved boxing. And that night, again, like Craig Cunningham, was the worst night of my life. And even my worst enemy, I would want him to go through what I went through that night because we're getting punched, as I said earlier. 
and the photo's getting punched by 20 people. Actually, you can't see it coming. One person's there, then there, then, and I'll, you don't know when you're getting hit until you're getting hit. And equilibrium's all off, and it feels like you're drunk. It feels like you're boxing and you're pissed off. And you're getting hit, and, and you feel sick, you feel nauseous because you can't see. Like, your, your eyes are so important. And I'm seeing this man who's flying in the air and he's in the ground. It's the weirdest thing and horrible. And it was the worst night of my life, and I hated it, and I wouldn't want anybody to go through it. And that's really scary. And boxing's a sport, as I said, where if you lose, or if you concede a goal in football, or we concede it, that's rubbish. You know, but in boxing, you can get hurt, like actually really hurt. And like I said, the scary thing, like after the injury, when you live the rest of your life, like there's loads of things I can't do now. Sounds really silly, but I, I can't go out into my garden and, and do keep you ups anymore because my, my eyes don't work. My left eye does not go down. So I can't look down and do keep you ups. Um, that's, that's what I'm saying. So when I'm older, when I have kids eventually, and I can't even teach them keep you ups because I can't even do them. And that's stuff I get. Like, I'd love to play football with my son, my daughter, but <laughs> other than side passing, I probably can't. And also, I just love going down the snooker club with the boys on a Thursday night, having a shandy and playing a snooker. And that sounds really silly, but I can't do that now. And I see people play pool in a pub and play snooker, and I get bitter and jealous because my left eye doesn't move. So I can't play snooker. And that's, and that's shit. So, and there's, listen, again, grand team of things, you know, I'm, I'm alive. And, if I, like, and I'm, I'm a very positive person, and I personally choose to live life on that positive side. And positive on the way, I could have thought, oh, I was scheduled to fight Canelo in like two or three fights time for the world middleweight title. My eye could have went against him. Because he punched so hard, I could have been left and paralysed or dead. Or in a real bad, much worse day than I was. And luckily, I was against Craig Cunningham, who didn't punch very hard at all. You know, so that was a very, that's, that's a very fun thing. So I could have got a lot of money for fighting Canelo and been in a wheelchair the rest of my life, unable to actually enjoy it. So... Um, yeah, that's the way I look at things. I'm very fortunate that it happened the way it did, rather than much worse. And if I get any advice for Daniel, um, yeah, to be really positive. And like I was really unlucky, but chances are he won't be as as unlucky as me. He won't, yeah, like no, yeah, get misdiagnosed or have an injection which goes wrong. To, you know, that's that's really really shit luck. Hopefully, it'll be quite a quick fix for him, and he can get back out next year and uh, put. Put, put the wrong to right and I wish him all the best Anthony Agogo it's always a real pleasure catching up with you I do appreciate your time um, really really pleased to see you uh, to doing so well in your new chosen career as I, as you mentioned in the interview I was there on that day where you uh, you retired from boxing I saw the, uh, the devastation in your face and I'm really really pleased to see that you've um, that you've found a new calling in life and I'll be eagerly awaiting your uh, professional wrestling debut Anthony Agogo real pleasure thanks very much for speaking to boxing social I look forward to catching up with you soon thanks mate all the best <laughs>